What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. Today, I want to share with you my list of Pixar characters that should get their own solo movies. This is all because Lightyear is out in theaters now, and despite it not having as much a success as maybe Pixar anticipated, I think it's an interesting topic to explore. So I'll give you my ideas. I'll also give you my spoiler-free review of Lightyear a movie that I did not expect to be as controversial as it is. And then in the trailer park, we'll look at a new movie called Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which is a new fantasy family movie coming out later this fall. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. If you're new to the podcast and don't know what that is, that is all the listeners here of the podcast who listen on Monday, which is when new episodes come out. So that's all you have to do to be a part of that. You guys already know what this is. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. There have been 26 Pixar movies since the first Pixar movie came out in 1995, which was Toy Story. Only five of those movies have sequels, and that is Toy Story, Cars, Monsters, Inc., The Incredibles, and Finding Nemo all have various sequels. Pixar doesn't make a whole lot of them, but now what they are getting into is creating solo movies for characters, which I think is pretty interesting. We had that with Finding Dory and now again with Lightyear. And Finding Dory was pretty successful. Lightyear was not as successful as they were anticipating, which I'll get into that more in the movie review. But I think this is an interesting concept. And if Pixar isn't going to make a whole lot of sequels to movies... I really think there is something there in creating solo origin stories of some of these characters or just seeing how certain of our favorite Pixar characters lived out the rest of their story. So I've come up with a few of my ideas, some that I think maybe need prequels, some I think that their story continues on after the movies we saw them in. So I want to start first with 
the idea of Pixar getting into a villain origin story, which I love me a good villain origin story. And the first villain that comes to mind is from Toy Story 3, Lotso. He is this large magenta pink strawberry scented teddy bear, the one who basically rules over the Sunnyside daycare in Toy Story 3. At the beginning of the movie, you think he's this most lovable and caring guy. And the movie takes such a dark turn and twist when you realize that he is actually the villain. And I think that's why Toy Story 3 was so superior is they were able to create this entirely new setting for the toys to go be in and create these really dynamic characters like Lotso, which really made the most emotional point in that movie just have so much more weight to it. And I think Lotso was such a great and again, we're only talking about Pixar here. If we did Disney, we would be here all day, but just Pixar movies. I think he's just the best Pixar villain I've ever seen. One that even though it was a kid's movie, I utterly hated Lotso. But I think there is something there because in the movie, they do dive into his backstory of how he once had somebody who he really cared about and that person left him behind and discarded him. And he took that pain and suffering and applied it to his life at Sunnyside Daycare Center where he feels like he can make the rules, like he can judge the fate of other toys. So I think there is something dark and twisted embedded into Lotso that I think a movie exploring how he goes from being a nice toy to having this sudden snap and then a reign of terror on other toys. So I think you could follow it from the very beginning of him finding his kid him having that joy and then getting ripped apart from that. And then you put him in Sunnyside Daycare Center and it takes place to prior from Woody showing up, maybe another unfamiliar toy comes into play. And I guess things wouldn't work out entirely well for this character in this case, because he will continue on into Toy Story 3. Maybe that's a little too dark and demented, but if I was calling the shots here, that is the Pixar solo movie. I would like to see made. Now let's keep it in the Toy Story franchise. Let's keep it in the villain origin story. Another one of my favorite villains also comes from Toy Story and it is Sid Phillips, who Sid is the villain in Toy Story. He is Andy's evil next door neighbor, much like Andy, except for the fact that he likes to do horrible things to his toys. He likes to strap fireworks to them. He likes to mutilate them. He does not treat his toys well. And you see that play out. When Woody goes over there, he gets to experience it firsthand of how he mutilates his sister's toys. But then at the end of the movie, he is changed after he sees the toys come to life and it freaks him out. So I think for his story, instead of the prequel, you get what happens after this experience he's just been traumatized because these toys he's been terrorizing now they're alive now they freaked him out how does he go on with the rest of his life after experiencing that after having this newfound toy trauma what i think happens to sid is he probably gets for at least a little bit more sympathy towards his toys he takes care of them. He doesn't blow them up. He becomes a better kid. But then after a while, he starts to forget about that and starts to revert to his old ways. He starts to be like, well, maybe just for old time's sake, I strike a matchup and light this toy on fire. And then he messes with the wrong toys again. And you have another retaliation story where people overtake Sid again. And then he is completely and utterly left devastated after it happens again. 
And remember that in Toy Story 3, you also get a glimpse of Sid. There's a scene where there is a dump truck going by and the worker who gets off the truck is wearing the same t-shirt as Sid. So you're kind of led to believe at the time that Andy is going on to college, Sid is there working taking out the trash. So maybe it's his journey to that job. And who knows, maybe Sid does find happiness after going through all of this utterly strange experience. But I think that would be a fun story to explore. Now, my next idea is also a villain origin story. We have a theme here, but we're getting out of Toy Story. And I want to move on to The Incredibles from 2004. I think with this one, we look at the life of Syndrome, who is real name in the movie is Buddy Pine. And he is first referred to as Incrediboy. And he is the main villain in The Incredibles. He is voiced by one of my favorite actors, Jason Lee, who you may remember from My Name is Earl. He was also in one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies called Mallrats. He's been on a lot of things. I just really like his voice as Syndrome. And I think he could really make this idea come to life because he does a really great job as Syndrome. So for Syndrome, I think the treatment is kind of like the Joker's origin story because we did see in The Incredibles... That's all he wants to do. He wants to be a superhero, but he is told that he doesn't have what it takes to become a superhero and in turn ends up becoming a supervillain. I think there's something to that when you see somebody have, you know, this really big joy and this really big drive to do something amazing, but then they're told they can't and something snaps inside of them. They go into this really dark place that makes them go from wanting to do good to wanting to do bad. And I think that's why the character Syndrome is so great. And I feel like this could be Pixar's darkest story yet. And you take this incredible boy and you watch his descent into madness, how every little thing gets worse and worse, and suddenly he becomes the greatest supervillain, at least in the world of the Incredibles. It's also kind of Despicable Me-ish where... Yes, he is doing bad things. He is seen as a villain, but there's also a little bit of playfulness to it. There's a little bit of fun to it. So it doesn't have to go as dark as maybe some of the other ideas I've shared here. Maybe there are even some cases where he wants to do evil things, but that kid inside of him who wanted to be a hero this entire time still forces him to do the right thing. So that could also be a good lesson to kids. Sometimes you feel anger and hate inside of you, but deep down, you know that you should probably do the right thing and be good to other people. That could be the story of Syndrome. Another Pixar character that I think should get their solo movie is Russell from Up. You may remember him as the eight-year-old wilderness explorer, the cutest little kid in Up!, and Russell was missing his assisting the elderly patch in Up. So he shows up to Carl Fredrickson's doorstep, and that leads him to the events of Up, which is a fantastic Pixar movie visually. I remember watching that movie in theater several times, and I think that was one that I didn't love the 3D to it, but I felt like it did add a little element to the animation. So I was cool with that one. I saw that one a couple of times in 3D. But when it came to the side characters, I thought they were amazing. Russell was my favorite, along with Doug, who has had his own little short outside of Up. But I think Russell is the one who deserves a solo movie. And I think it has to take place clearly after Up. Because he's this eight-year-old kid who just went on this amazing adventure that none of his friends at school are going to believe. And he goes back and tries to tell them all these stories. And they probably still think he is not that cool. He goes back 
to his wilderness explorer club and still feels like he has something else to prove and goes on yet another adventure. I just think the idea of exploring his life a little bit more, what it's like for him at home, what it's like for him at school, maybe him and Doug pair up and at some point go visit Carl again. I just think he was such a fun and lasting character from Up that we haven't seen anything from him yet. So if I were handing out solo Pixar movies, I would give one to Russell. Also on my list here from 2015's Inside Out, I thought Bing Bong was one of Pixar's supporting characters that had one of the darkest backstories to them. If you don't remember, he's that pink elephant. Now, Riley was the main character in Inside Out, and Bing Bong was the imaginary friend that she created when she was about three years old. And as time goes on, she forgets about him. So he has this really kind of dark backstory of him still existing inside of Riley, him not wanting to go away. And then in the darkest turn ever, which Pixar is the best at making you feel, he sacrifices himself to save her. And I just love the world that Inside Out created of all these things that live inside a kid's mind. And I think Bing Bong is the best example of that. And I think exploring that world a little bit more would be pretty fascinating, especially coming from Bing Bong's perspective of somebody who has felt a little bit discarded, a little bit mistreated, and overall just a little bit lonely, which I think is an interesting feeling that Pixar could explore a little bit more because kids feel lonely. I remember feeling lonely a lot as a kid, doing things and creating, you know, scenarios in my head, which I feel is what Bing Bong had to do a lot to make it tolerable for him to live. So I think him dealing with that, but also going on some kind of adventure that helps him get to the point to where he meets the characters that Inside Out creates and that whole plot kind of meets together, I think would be a pretty cool origin story, a pretty cool prequel to Inside Out couple more that I wanted to share with you. I felt like this year turning red should have had more attention than it got. I know they put it out on Disney Plus and I feel like a lot of people did watch it but maybe didn't talk about it a whole lot. I thought the animation style in turning red was kind of a breath of fresh air. I like the mixing of like the anime and the early 2000s. I like the time period that this movie existed in. I like that they created this fictional band called Four Town which was an embodiment of all the boy bands in the early 2000s. Obviously, it's a playoff of O-Town, but it's a feeling of like taking some of NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, and putting them all into this fictional boy band. That plays a pretty significant part, at least in the background of the entire story. And then you see a little bit more of them towards the end of it. But I think it would be interesting for Pixar to kind of take on something I haven't seen before. I think it would be interesting for them to do maybe a bit of a mockumentary, maybe a bit of a musical biopic of Four Town. It would play out just like any other music biopic. There's these four kids who are either trying to make it in music, they're just friends and get presented with this idea of being turned into superstars. And then you follow that rise to fame, how they go from just being normal kids to being these huge pop stars that have an arena of people, a stadium even, of people there to see them, and what that effect of fame has on their friendships, has on their life at home with their family, and overall just how it feels to achieve your dreams, which some good comes with that, but also some bad comes with that. 
I think there's a lesson to be told there, especially for kids who they see their favorite pop stars, they see their favorite YouTubers and TikTokers. And think once you get this level of fame, you get all this money, you get all the recognition and love from people, you think everything's going to be great and fine, but maybe don't know a whole lot about the downside of that. Again, back to the loneliness, the feeling that you don't have any private moments anymore, and then dealing with the struggle of how something you loved is now your career. What does that look like? And I assume it's especially even harder for a global sensation like the band that is Four Town. So I think discussing that in an animated musical biopic that is based on a fictional band would be something interesting. And that's why I put it on my list. And then finally, I want to go back to the first ever animated Pixar short. Now, this movie was created shortly after Toy Story, which was the first Pixar movie. And it was the first ever Pixar short. It was featured before A Bug's Life, which is the second Pixar movie ever. And the movie was called Jerry's Game. It was this short film that I remember watching because I had A Bug's Life on VHS and I would play it from the very beginning. And it was this short film called Jerry's Game, which you probably recognize the elderly man. He's made a few other cameos in random Pixar movies, but the whole story about it doesn't say a whole lot. It's just Jerry and he's playing a game of chess against himself. And it's this entire scene that plays out inside his own mind of him playing himself and then him playing his opponent. It ends with him faking a heart attack to win the game it zooms out and then you remember that it was only him there the entire time. I just remember really loving this short film and after this they became a thing and people love these. They go on to win Oscars. Jerry's Game actually won the Oscar for Best Animated Short Film in 1988. So they are definitely an event now to be watched and now they're all up on Disney+. Plus. So sometimes I go back and watch some of these and I know they exist as a short film and there's not a whole lot of story there, but I just always have had Jerry in the back of my head as being such a cool character. It was such a fun concept that there is probably something there of another kind of adventure that Jerry gets himself in. Why was he at the park? What did he do the rest of the day? So I think if not only you dive into some of the supporting characters in all the Pixar movies, but take a look back at all of the short films that have really left an impression with us over the years, even though they are only a few minutes long. Imagine if they had an entire movie to play something out. So that is my list. Look out for my favorite Pixar characters not coming anytime soon to a movie theater near you. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. 
Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review now. I want to talk about Lightyear, why it underperformed at the box office, and why I just don't think that this is the movie that Andy from Toy Story saw that made him want the Buzz Lightyear toy. I have so many things to say about this movie, so let's get right into it. Here's just a little bit of the Lightyear trailer. Buzz Lightyear to Star Command. Come in, Star Command. Why don't they answer? Hey, hey! The robots. The what? What is happening right now? Alicia? Oh, no. That's my grandmother. But, Socks, how long were we gone? Meow, 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 meow. 62 years, 7 months, and 5 days. What? So, when this movie starts, the opening title says that in 1995, Andy went to the movies and he left wanting a Buzz Lightyear toy. This is the movie that he saw. And I just don't believe that. And let's start at the beginning of what this movie is about. It is a solo Buzz Lightyear movie, but it's the actual fictional person that inspired the toy. And right off the bat, having to explain that, I think is what deters people right away from wanting to go see this movie. Because you think Buzz Lightyear, you think the animated character we know from Toy Story, you think Tim Allen... And when it's Chris Evans and you have to explain that a step further, it gets a little bit confusing. And the further down you go on this list, it makes you want to go see the movie a little bit less and a little bit less. And I get that. But I think it's actually a good movie. And it starts out with a great, fun opening action sequence. And I was all in. And what the movie is about, it's Buzz Lightyear, the actual person, uh, voiced by Chris Evans. And he is trying to complete this mission by going into hyperspeed to be able to rescue all of these people from this poor living condition. And in order to do that, he has to, like you heard in that trailer, travel so fast that he realizes once he comes back that years have passed. And now he has to go embark on an even bigger mission. So he's trying to save everybody. And then he has to embark on an even bigger mission where he realizes he needs some help from some people. And that's where all the side characters come in. They are trying to help him defeat Zerg in the movie, which you would know from Toy Story, and in turn save everybody. And I felt like it was so much of a more emotionally grounded movie than I was expecting. It's a really good sci-fi movie, and it's almost a straight-on drama in some aspects when it comes to Buzz Lightyear's story. 
Like what he is going through as a character is almost on a different level than I've seen in a Pixar movie. And then I think they had to add all the side characters who do a really good job at bringing the comedic relief to this movie. Everything from Socks the cat that you hear in the trailer or Taika Watiti, who is another character in this, who is one of my favorite characters in the entire movie. They kind of bring that comedy element and bring that element that I think that kids are going to watch this movie and enjoy. But the actual Buzz Lightyear story in this, I feel like for that to be great, it almost didn't have to exist in the Toy Story world. Because throughout the entire movie, like you heard in that trailer, they're trying to work in the Buzz Lightyear lines that he said as the toy in Toy Story. And it just doesn't really go together. It feels a little bit forced to me that this movie could exist in its entirely own world and Pixar could have just created this really cool sci-fi movie, but they had to brand it as living inside the Toy Story universe. And I think that hurt it. I think what would have actually been the better movie and more believable is if this would have been a live action movie. And then Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear would have made a lot more sense because he had to be younger. And it feels like you would have been doing something completely different and unique. But I don't think that's what Disney wanted to do, probably because that's more expensive. And also, Pixar is attached to it, so it has to be an animated movie. But I think that would have been the movie I would have wanted to see. And I think that would have been the movie that kids like Andy would have watched and made them want to have a Buzz Lightyear toy. I don't think this was it. And we see that from it only making $50 million at the box office, which isn't terrible. When you think this movie costs $200 million to make, it's underperforming. And if it's a movie that would have made Andy want the toy, I feel like now Buzz Lightyear toys would be flying off the shelves. And I don't really see that right now. And also, when you think about Toy Story, that's an animated movie to us. But in that movie, they are real people. They're not they don't see themselves as cartoon characters. So I think the movie that Andy would have went to watch would have been a live action movie that would have made a little bit more sense in how you take that quote unquote real person and make that Buzz Lightyear toy. And that would have made a lot more sense. But maybe that's getting a little bit too deep into what this kid's movie should have been. Like visually, this movie was stunning. And I rarely comment on like the lighting in a movie, but some of these scenes just seem so cinematic that I forgot I was watching an animated movie. And when it comes to the character design, that's kind of what keeps it grounded in the Pixar universe. But all of the action sequences, all of like the spaceship and the use of the different kinds of space technology, all of that stuff looked really awesome, really crisp, and really kind of made me excited of what Pixar can do. It just would have been better to see that not connected to Toy Story. It's just a really good sci-fi movie. And I almost think they're really been walking that fine line of, they've been in the business of making kids movies since they started in the 90s. And then it's kind of transferred into making movies that kids will love, but parents will also enjoy. But now you kind of have this new group of Pixar fans like me, millennials who grew up watching these movies, but now we're in our late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, that kind of range. And I feel like you could have marketed this movie to us. And I think that's where this movie really suffered was the marketing. You're marketing it to kids, but I feel like it's a little bit of a different movie if you would have marketed to people like me. And I think that's why I was so excited to watch this movie and put it on my most anticipated summer list is because it was more appealing to me as an adult to go watch this movie because of the emotional journey that Buzz Lightyear went through and all the things he battles. I felt like that resonated more with me. 
And if it would have been full on marketed to that demographic, I almost think it would have done better at the box office and also would have been less confusing for people to see. Because when it comes to the action in the movie, I kind of wanted more, especially if I was a kid. I want to see Buzz Lightyear being cool and being a hero. That's what would motivate me to want a Buzz Lightyear toy after this. I felt like he wasn't even in the iconic suit throughout the entire movie as much as I would have wanted. Like I wanted to see him in the green and white suit all the time, but it kind of goes in between that. So I felt like it was even lacking there. You also have to realize, and I'm grading this based on where it exists in the Toy Story universe, Toy Story 3, I still feel like was the perfect ending to the entire franchise that came out in 2010, 11 years after Toy Story 2. So there was a big break in there. And when that movie came back, it was really banking on nostalgia and then you have Toy Story 4, which came out nine years later in 2019. Although in my mind, that felt like it came quicker and I wasn't as excited for Toy Story 4. And I felt like that movie was kind of just a falling action of the entire franchise. I didn't leave watching Toy Story 4 wanting more. And then you have now Lightyear being the prequel to Toy Story I feel like if it would have came in between three and four, it would have been more impactful and probably would have done a lot better because at that point, it would have felt like they were going in a completely different direction. And then I think the animation still would have worked there, probably wouldn't have had the same technology to make it look as crisp as it is now, but I think it would have resonated more with audiences if it came between three and four or if it would have came out now, and like I said, just been a live action movie, that would have been an awesome movie. But you also have to consider all the movies that are coming out right now in the summer. There's so many great movies. Everybody, I think the most common question I get is what movie should I go watch now? And I've been telling everybody to go watch Top Gun. And I think people who don't go to the movies a whole lot, that's still on their list. Us as movie fans, we go a lot more. We're gonna wanna watch all these summer blockbuster movies. But you also have Jurassic World, which beat it light year in its opening weekend. And then you have Elvis. You kind of have to pick when you want to go to the movies. It gets expensive. I saw somebody on my Facebook post to them and their husband and their four kids with their two friends all went to go watch Jurassic World. And you just have to think about ticket prices. You have to think about getting popcorn and drinks. Inflation is crazy right now. We're spending money on so many other different things. Families just have to pick where they spend their money. And I totally get that. So I think it also came out at a bad time of being sandwiched between all these other big blockbuster movies that have also been banking on nostalgia. That's what Top Gun did. That's what Jurassic World did. And I think they did it better. So that's where the money went. And of course, there was also some controversy that came out with the same sex kiss, which I didn't even notice in the movie. It didn't feel like weird to me or forced or anything. But I know I probably read more articles about that than as big of a deal as it was in the movie. And I find that a little bit weird that that takes people away from wanting to go to see this movie, mainly because we never bat an eye when we see like Sleeping Beauty being kissed by a random stranger, like unwillingly, like that's just fine. In The Lion King, we see Nala give Simba the seductive look and it's basically lions hooking up in the jungle we don't bat an eye but two people of the same sex sharing what is really just a quick kiss but you write articles about it about disney having a same-sex kiss in it and it deters people from 
going to watch the movie. I don't understand that. Of all the things that kids get exposed to online and violence and all the other awful things you can watch really and, you know, really traumatize you as a kid, that's what we focus on. I think that was a non-issue. But again, you go down the list of all the things that are keeping people from going to watch this movie from Tim Allen not being Buzz Lightyear and that turning into another big discussion of like, oh, you should have a minute. And then you have having to explain the story. And then you have this part of controversy. You get three steps down and you've already lost so many people. So it becomes a tougher and tougher sale. Again, I could probably go on and on about this movie, but I'll wrap up here and say it's still a good movie. And why I don't consider it to be a great movie is because I have to judge it based on it existing in the Toy Story world. And I didn't fully feel that. I still think that if you take away all those elements of the catchphrases of kind of anything that references Toy Story, it could have been its own standalone film and it would have been less confusing to audiences. Just say, hey, Pixar, we're making a sci-fi movie. It's called Space Guy. It doesn't have to be Lightyear. And I feel like that was almost the case. I feel like the whole tagline of this being the movie Andy watched that made him want buzz was kind of added there at the end. Like maybe this was pitched as just being a Pixar sci-fi movie. And they're like, well, what if it exists in the Toy Story world? It will connect more and into marketing, into the promotion of the movie. And don't forget that Disney is in the business of selling merchandise. Like that's where they make a lot of their money is they create these movies for kids. They go see the movie. Those box office numbers are great, but where they really make a lot of their money is selling you those toys, selling you those toys and also getting you to go to Disney World and Disneyland. These movies at times just serve as big commercials for their products. And what has sold a lot of products over the years? Toy Story toys. So I would have been more excited to see just a new, fresh franchise, them diving into the sci-fi world. I think that would have been a better movie or making it a live action movie because then you take away all that other confusion and it would have been amazing. So with that said, if I had to rate Lightyear, I would give it 3.5 out of 5 Space Rangers. I'm curious now because this was supposed to set up a sequel. It was supposed to set up a whole new series of Buzz Lightyear movies, but this one kind of stalling. I think that maybe that doesn't happen anymore, especially because Pixar just, for the most part, doesn't really do a whole lot of sequels, especially when one underperforms. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. 
Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life, you know that. His business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Today we're talking about a new movie from Sony coming out called Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which is based on a kid's book. And the voice of the crocodile, who is the singing crocodile, is voiced by Sean Mendez. One of the characters in this movie is Javier Bardem, who somehow completely works, even though I still have him as the main bad guy in No Country for Old Men. Somehow his very exuberant character in this movie works. I think this movie looks like a lot of fun, but we'll dive into it a little bit more after we get just a little bit of the Lyle Lyle Crocodile trailer. There's a crocodile in the house! Oh, hello. You must be the new tenants. I took P. Valenti at your service. I see you've met my crocodile. He's an extraordinary talent. His name is Lyle. Mom, I swear to you, he's not dangerous. He's a crocodile. Okay, yes, crocodiles can bite through bone, and yes, they have a taste for human flesh, but he's not like that. He wears a scarf, and he can sing. So I vaguely remember seeing this book when I was a kid. I don't think I was a huge Lyle Lyle the Crocodile fan, but this movie feels fun to me, and just by watching the trailer, it feels like it's going to be a fun kids movie coming out on October 7th. And the trailer just creates kind of this sense of adventure that I haven't really felt from watching a kids movie trailer in a long time that wasn't a Disney movie. And I think even Disney now lacks a little bit of that feeling of fun from their trailers. When I watch a Disney trailer, it just kind of feels like an advertisement. But this one has a little more there. And even though the concept seems so ridiculous and maybe it's just America's response to Paddington and the success that that movie has had, now they are taking the Lyle Lyle Crocodile character, putting him in New York City, and then having some fun with it to create this endearing character that even though he is a monster to some in the movie, can somehow do something fun and magical. The movie is about Lyle, who is a crocodile living in this house, and he is forced to move to the zoo because of the cranky neighbor who looks like it is played by a character from Stranger Things, who I really like him in that. And then once Lyle is freed, he saves the neighbor's life and becomes a hero movie does have some cool things going for it. You have Shawn Mendes, who I think is incredibly talented. I like a lot of his music. 
And I think he's just a very interesting person to take on this role. And for his first movie to be a singing crocodile, well, that's kind of a perfect fit. I mean, just by hearing his song in the trailer, somehow it makes sense. Even though it looks a little bit ridiculous, I think kids will like that. The movie will feature original songs recorded and performed by him. And a lot of the songwriting team on this movie is the people behind The Greatest Showman, which it kind of gave me that big theatrical musical sense by watching this trailer it felt a little bit like the greatest showman very exuberant very almost like a you're watching a play a little bit and i think of course the music was probably all of our favorite parts of the greatest showman the movie itself all right but it's the kind of the songs that really bring that movie to life and leave a lasting impression so maybe that will transfer here to the crocodile movie but i think the thing i'm most interested and curious about is seeing javier bardem as the owner of the crocodile who goes to the family and is like hey you found my singing crocodile i think it's interesting because he is in one of my favorite movies of all time no country for old men he plays anton chigurh who is i feel one of the most grounded and realistic villains ever to be portrayed in any movie. And he has just such a range to him and his acting abilities that he could play such a dark, mysterious, brutal character like Antoine Chigurh and also play Ricky Ricardo and being the Ricardos and then take on a fun role like this to where I don't feel like he is misplaced. It looks like he is having fun and it looks like he is this character. So... I just really love seeing somebody who has that kind of range and isn't afraid to take on a project like this and do it convincingly. It just seems like a great role for him that I wouldn't have expected, but makes sense. You also have Constance Wu, who I feel rounds out this entire cast and will probably bring some good comedic elements to the movie. Again, it comes out on October 7th. The only real problem I have with this movie, aside from the fact of I just wonder if the movie will be able to deliver based on the trailer. Obviously, if it is trying to be a little bit like Paddington, will it have that same emotional connection throughout the entire movie? Or will it just kind of be an average family movie that comes out in October to be that bridge between fall and holiday season? That's yet to be seen, but it does have me curious of wanting to check this movie out. But the major thing that makes me not like this movie is I believe that this movie took the place of Across the Spider-Verse, which is supposed to come out on October 7th, and now it is operating within that window. I don't think that they decided to put out Lyle Lyle the Crocodile and push back Spider-Verse to give Lyle Lyle the better window. At least that's what I'm telling myself. I'm telling myself that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse wasn't ready yet and they needed more time and pushed that to summer 2023. I don't want to believe that they got bumped for Lyle Lyle the Crocodile. I don't know how many times I've said Crocodile in this segment, but if that's the case, boycott the movie. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode of the podcast. We've reached the end, my friends. Thanks to everybody who commented on my Boz Lerman Instagram video on TikTok with the music notes. That really meant a lot to me to see support for one of my biggest interviews that I've done on the podcast yet. I have another interview I'm really excited about that you'll hear in a couple weeks. I got to talk to the voice of Stitch and the creator of Lilo and Stitch. We did a long form interview. I think it's about half an hour 
His name is Chris Sanders. I discovered him on TikTok talking about Lilo and Stitch. And it's my favorite Disney movie. And even if it's not your favorite Disney movie, I really think you'll be interested in his story of how he created this movie and this idea back in the 80s and then finally saw it come to life and become one of the most iconic characters of the 2000s. And we get all into that. So even if you're just a fan of Disney, I think you'll really enjoy that interview. And then I'll also have a spoiler episode of Jurassic World Dominion coming up soon. So you have all that to look forward to before I hop out of here. Every single week, you guys know what I do. I give a listener shout out, whether it's a DM, a tweet, or an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this one is coming to us from Fraga. And he sent me an email that says, Dear Mr. Movie Mike, I took a road trip from Austin to Denton and back this last weekend and made it through the Batman movie list ranking and through the next 12 episodes, only skipping the spoiler reviews. When I do the Movie Mike podcast, I go hard. I really enjoy the interviews you've been able to line up the last couple years. Keep on doing what you're doing, Frago. Really appreciate that. I appreciate a good binge listen to this podcast. So to anyone who's discovered the podcast and just binge some episodes, that is amazing. Tell one of your friends to do the exact same thing and tell them to join the Monday Morning Movie Crew because that's what it's all about here. We're just a bunch of movie friends who love talking about movies. And I mean, we're right in the middle of summer blockbuster season. So I feel like this podcast has been so fun to do right now. Maybe the most fun I've ever had doing this podcast because there's so much more exciting movies coming out like the black phone still got to talk about elvis we have thor coming up so a lot of fun to be had on this podcast so appreciate you being subscribed and listening every single week really means the world to me so thank you i hope you have a great week and until next time go out and watch good movies this is malcolm gladwell from revisionist history ebay motors is here for the ride with some elbow grease fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss in the land of saints and sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, watch it now on digital. Rated R.